Hello and welcome to Hot Girls Code, a podcast all about software development and being a woman in tech. I'm one of your hosts, Lola. And I am your host, Auti. This is the first episode we're recording in the new year, and it's so exciting to be back. You know how they say absence makes the heart grow fonder? I feel like that. I feel like that right now. (laughs) Yeah, and I am feeling just like so well rested and recharged and just like ready to smash hot girls code this year yes also this is our 10th episode so we are officially in the double digits Woo! yeah fun fact this all came from a covid fever dream that lola had yeah i was lying in bed sick with covid and I just I was having these these visions, these thoughts in my head, and I just randomly messaged Alti, and I literally wrote like this is the actual text because I scrolled up like a year ago in our Facebook messages and found it. <laughs> so you know how we talk like a lot, and how we are both hot young software engineers with loads of knowledge that we could pass on to others, and then Alti messaged me straight back in all caps, "Are you asking me to do a podcast?" I knew it. I could sense it, and I'm not gonna lie. I'd like thought about. About it too and I was like no no <laughs> and then we just needed you to get COVID for like your COVID brain to be like yeah COVID brain was like that's a brilliant idea and you know what <laughs> COVID was right COVID was so right and the rest is history now on to our actual episode today we are talking all about data structures And if you remember back to episode four, we first introduced the concept of data structures and we talked through a common data structure known as an array. And if that doesn't jog your memory, you might remember Autie talking about how an array is like a bookshelf where she might need to reorder her Twilight books so they're in chronological order because, you know, that's important. It's very important. You can't have it in the wrong... It's Twilight. It's important. So data structures are a fundamental concept in software, but like a lot of things in software, you don't need to know them off by heart. And depending on what type of software development you do, you may not really use them a lot. But it's still important to be aware of some of the common basic ones because you never know when you might need them to write better, more efficient code. In today's episode, we're going to briefly recap what a data structure is and then talk you through seven common data structures. These are typically found built in in a lot of coding languages. And while not all are used all the time, it's useful to know as a way to optimize the code you write. Heck yes, let's optimize our code. So the data structures we will be going through today are arrays, linked lists, stacks and queues, hash tables, trees, and graphs. Exciting stuff. And data structures are quite visual at times, so we'll also be posting some handy infographics on our Instagram. So if you don't already, you should definitely follow us on at hot underscore girls underscore code to make sure you don't miss out. So let's get into it. For those of you who don't remember episode four, It was a long time ago, so we'll forgive you. A data structure is a collection of data values organized in a specific way, or a specific structure, hence the name, and they have specific operations that can be applied to the data they hold. Different data structures have different operations that you can do on one kind of data structure, but not on others. Data structures are important in computer programming for organizing, managing and storing data quickly and efficiently. You don't want to be wasting precious time trying to find a piece of data for a user because, let's face it, humans are impatient. 
No, you do not want to write slow or inefficient code. The amount of complaints I see in feedback channels about how slow our company's website runs when it takes, you know, like half a second, like it's not, it's not, it's not that long, but also I get it. Like it's 2023, life's too short. We need to just keep things moving. We don't want inefficient code. And I'm someone that's like, oh my God, why are people so impatient? But then I'm also the person that like clicks a button like 17 times if it doesn't immediately do a thing. And then you get like... 30 dialogues popping up. <laughs> People will regularly comment and be like, dude, just chill, just be patient. And I'm like, no one's got the time. I need it now. <laughs> so, yeah. Data structures mean we have consistent ways of storing data and then we can carry out consistent actions on the data. And the great thing about consistency is we can make sure we're doing it the best way. And the code to do this probably exists already. I love it when code already exists. Don't have to write it yourself. Pro tip. Love it. It's important to note that data structures can sometimes behave differently in different coding languages. You might need to check up on the specifics using Google. These differences can be anything from how they work under the hood, like how they store and access things in memory, to how they handle null or empty values, to the built-in functions available to you. A great way to see the most commonly used data structure in any programming language is by Googling the language name and common data structures, like Java common data structures. Easy. Now onto the data structures themselves. Firstly, let's recap what arrays are. As we said in episode four, an array means multiples of things, like how you could say a dazzling array of diamonds. An array encoding is a specific way of storing multiple things in a single variable. Arrays can be linear, meaning they go in one direction like a shelf, or they can be two-dimensional, like a grid. You can also think of a one-dimensional array like a chocolate bar with like six pieces of chocolate in one row, whereas a 2D array is like a whole block of chocolate, six pieces wide and 12 pieces long. And now I'm hungry. Alternatively, if we go back to our bookshelf analogy, a 2D array is like a whole bookcase of multiple bookshelves stacked on top of each other. A lot of other data structures are actually built off of arrays, and so they are often called the building blocks for more complicated data structures. Arrays are indexed, which just means they're numbered and give you the ability to access things at a specific index within the array. So if you know the thing you want is in the fourth position, like the fourth piece of chocolate in the bar, you can immediately access it in that position. As we talk you through some data structures later in the episode, you'll see a lot of them only allow you to easily access data stored in either the beginning or the end positions. So it's really cool that with arrays you can access them for specific indexes in the middle too. In some coding languages, arrays can change in size so adding to and removing from them is super easy but oh no there's always a but but in others arrays have a fixed size that you specify when you create the array in these languages where arrays are fixed in size it's a bit more work to add or remove stuff from the array if you want to insert a new value or element into an array First, you have to create a new array with an increased size. Then you have to copy all the existing elements into that array. Then you have to add the new element. And then finally, you have to delete the old array. So much admin just to add one extra element. But luckily, there are some other data structures that we're going to delve into later, which avoid this issue. Arrays are one of those classic data structures that have existed for a long time in lots of different languages. So there can be some variation of the rules on what an array can hold and what built-in functions for arrays have, depending on what language that you're using. For example, in Python, they 
call them lists. And then arrays are something very specific to maths, and you need to import a specific library to use them, rather than them being built in. And yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a whole thing. The easiest way to figure out what you can do with an array in, in a specific language is to Google arrays in that specific language. So like arrays in Java or arrays in TypeScript, or lists in Python, because Python has to be hashtag not like other girls. And then you can just read about them from Google. And just to be super confusing, lists as a data structure do exist in some other languages as well. And again, they can be slightly different. So you'll need to Google that specific language to get the details. Google really is your best friend as a developer. Literally half your job is just Googling things. And copying code off Stack Overflow and editing it for your specific use case. So to sum up, the main things to remember about arrays is they store multiple values in a single variable. They can be one-dimensional, like a row of chocolate, or two-dimensional, like a whole block. They can be used to build more complicated data structures, and they are indexable, which just means you can access the data stored at a specific position in the array easily. Alrighty, so that is arrays. The second data structure we wanted to talk through is a linked list. This is a data structure that is made up of a sequence of items which are linked to each other in a specific order. You can kind of think of it like a to-do list where you have to finish one task and then you kind of go on to the next. A to-do list? You are speaking my language. Organization queen. Love, we love organization here. Each item in a linked list is known as a node and each node contains the value that's stored there as well as a pointer to where the next node is. Just like you have an address that tells people, or let's be honest, tells a store where to ship your online shopping to, Data also has an address that tells the program where to find it quickly. Sure, the delivery person could be like, I know you live in this city, and then go knock on every door to find you, but it'll be way faster if they know what house you live in. Yeah, I tend to find it better when the delivery person like does know my address. Tends to work better for me. Yeah, it might make things easier. That's kind of the same with data and a linked list. You know where to find the first node in the linked list, which is called the head, but you only have a vague idea of where to find the next one, and you don't want to spend ages trying to find it. This means that unlike arrays, you can't immediately access the data stored in, say, the fourth position of the linked list. Instead, you have to start at the first element, also known as the head, as Auti just said, and look at its pointer to see where to find the next element. You then go to that next element, look at its pointer, and it tells you where to go for the next element, and this keeps on going until you reach the element you want. This process can continue down to the final node, which is known as the tail. So we have the head and the tail. It's kind of like a scavenger hunt. Ooh, is this a fun example coming? It is indeed. Woo! Let's say you have a scavenger hunt in your house and you know that the prize at the third spot is a Dyson Airwrap. And you really want it because you want beautiful hair. Please. And also you're too poor to afford your own. And we don't know where it is except that it's at the third spot. So we'd start at the first spot or first node, which we know now is called the head. And let's say that's your kitchen. There's a prize in your kitchen, but it isn't the one you want because it's just like some ugly fast fashion sheen haul and we're not about that life. So you look at its clue or its pointer to see where you go next and it tells you to go to your garden. So then you go to your garden and it's still not the Dyson Air app. So you look at the pointer there and it tells you that the third spot is in your bedroom. So you go to your bedroom and finally there it is, your beautiful Dyson Air app. Congratulations, you've successfully traversed a linked list 
and you're about to have the most gorgeous hair ever. Sounds like a win-win situation to me. Linked lists are really helpful in languages where arrays are a fixed length. If you have a set of information that you might be adding to a lot in the future, then with a fixed length array, you'll need to copy that array into a slightly bigger array and then delete the original array every time. And as we said, that's a lot of work for your computer to do, and honestly, who has time for that? With a linked list, you can simply add a new node to the beginning by setting the new node's pointer to the original head and then telling your program that, hey, this node is now the new head. Let's go back to the scavenger hunt at your home. You really want that Dyson Air app, don't you? I thought it was very obvious. Um, I definitely want it. And if anyone wants to make this dream come true, please let me know. So you want to reuse the scavenger hunt so that your friend can do it, but you want to make it a bit trickier for her because you felt like it wasn't enough of a challenge the first time. If you wanted to add a different starting spot or a different head, all you need to do is start your scavenger hunt at this new spot. Let's say it's your bathroom. So you tell your friend, hey, start at the bathroom instead. And then all you need to do now is make sure your clue or your pointer in the bathroom tells your friend to go to the kitchen, which is where you originally started. The other clues or pointers still work without you changing anything. Love that. Or if instead you wanted to add another spot at the end of the scavenger hunt, aka another node to the end of your linked list, which we know is called the tail, you would simply add a clue at the final spot to point your friend to the new final spot. And bam, you've got a longer linked list. So when she got to your bedroom, she would find a clue that told her to go to, say, the garage to get her Dyson Airwrap. Updating a pointer in just one place doesn't take much effort. And hopefully you can see it takes significantly less effort for a computer than copying over full arrays and deleting old ones. Even adding nodes in the middle is pretty simple. Let's say after the second spot, which is your garden, and before your bedroom, you wanted your friend to go to your living room. All you would need to do is change the clue or pointer in your garden to direct your friend to the living room instead. And in the living room, you would add a clue to point your friend to the bedroom. Again, no other clues or pointers need to be changed down the line. So it's just two small changes. Pretty easy, right? You can also have different kinds of linked lists. So linked lists can point down the chain in one direction, or they can also point in both directions, where they can point to the previous node as well as the next one. And this is just by having three things per node. There's, you know, the data itself, a next pointer like we had before, and this time as well, they have a previous pointer. Now, if a linked list points in just one direction, it's known as a singly linked list. And if it points in both directions, it's known as a doubly linked list. Doubly linked list. I love the word doubly. It sounds so cute. I love when there's like cute words and like official things, eh? <laughs> it's fun to say. <laughs> and then we also have something called a circular linked list, which is where the tail node, which is, you know, the last one, has a pointer to the head which is the first in the linked list, rather than it just pointing to nothing. So it just all connects back up in a circle. At this point, we've covered arrays and linked lists. And hopefully we haven't lost you yet. Next up, we're going to talk through two data structures that are kind of like two sides of the same coin, stacks and queues. You can picture these like a linear array where the values are stored next to each other in one dimension. However, unlike an array, you can't access the values stored in the middle. In stacks, you can only access the last value that was added to the array, or to the stack. The way I like to remember is that it's like a stack of plates. 
Say you're washing the dishes and someone adds a dirty plate to the top of your pile. The next time you reach for a plate to wash, you'll be taking that plate the person just added because it's at the top of the stack. This is known as last in, first out, or LIFO because software just loves their acronyms. And this just means the last thing added to the stack is the first thing taken out of the stack, like the dish being added. When you add to a stack, that is known as pushing to the stack because you push something to the top. And when you remove from a stack, it's called popping the stack because you are popping out the value that is at the top, which is the value that was most recently added. I like it. It's like pop goes the weasel. On the other hand, in queues, you can only access the values stored at the beginning of a queue. This is just like queuing music on Spotify. Your songs get played in the order you queued them. So the song you added first gets taken out of the queue and played first, and then you move down the queue in chronological order. This is known as first in, first out, or FIFO. And this just means the first thing added to the queue is the first thing that will be taken out. When you add to the queue, you add to the back of a queue, and this is called enqueuing. And when you remove something from a queue, you remove it from the front of the queue, and this is known as Queuing. So as you can see, stacks and queues are basically like the same thing, but opposites. Okay, so check-in time, because that was a lot of information so far. We've spoken about arrays, where one-dimensional arrays are like bookshelves, and two-dimensional arrays are like bookcases, and they have a super cool ability where you can access them at any index. We then spoke about linked lists, which are a sequence of items that are linked to each other in a specific order, and each node in a linked list points you to the next one. And finally, we spoke about stacks and queues, which allow you to get values from the beginning or the end of the data structure, depending on whether you have a stack of plates or a queue on Spotify. Next up, we're chatting about hash tables. Hash tables are another one of those things that can differ based on what coding language you're using. There are also similar data structures that do similar things to hash tables, but differ slightly in other languages. So these data structures are hash maps, maps, and dictionaries. Like we've said a few times now, if you have a specific language that you are working with and you want to understand how this data structure works specifically in that language in depth, make sure you use every programmer's best friend, Google. The main concept that we want you guys to get familiar with is this thing called key value pairs. A key value pair is a data type that includes two pieces of data, a group of key identifiers of the data and a set of values associated with those keys. For example, let's talk about lipsticks. If you have a lipstick, then key identifiers might be the brand or the shade, and the associated values could be MAC and Ruby Woo, the most iconic and universal red lippy. So within a key value pair, there are two parts. The first is the key used to define the data like shade, and this is a known constant. And then the other is a value belonging to that key, like the shade Ruby Woo, which is a gorgeous, neutrally appealing red. <laughs> Actually the first red lipstick I ever owned. <gasps> really? I feel like everyone has it. You can think of it like an array, but instead of accessing a piece of data using a specific index like you know, the third position or the first position, 
you use the key that describes what you're looking for. You don't have to know exactly where the lipstick's shade is stored. You can just look for the value associated with the key called shade. Storing data this way is really valuable when it comes to storing large quantities of data because it makes it a lot easier to organize and sort data out. I mean, if you're reading code and you see someone constantly getting something from fourth position, you'll be like, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? But if you see that someone's constantly getting shade, you'll probably be like, oh, right, they're looking at the shade of the lipstick. In hash tables, this key value pair stuff happens using a hash function. Say you've got Mia Thermopolis's massive closet in Princess Darius 2, and you have 200 pairs of shoes, all sorted into drawers numbered 1 to 200. This is your hash table. You want to be able to quickly find the shoes you want without having to look through every drawer or memorizing which drawer each pair of shoes is kept in. This is where you would use a hash function. This is a function where the key is used to tell you what index your value is stored at. So in this example, let's say our key is the color of our shoes. Your hash function might be adding the values of the letters together where, you know, A equals one, B equals two, and so on. So to find your red shoes, you would add R, which is 18, E, which is five, D, which is four, to give you 27. And you know immediately to look in drawer 27 for your shoes. For your ruby red shoes to match your Mac Ruby Woo lipstick. We are all about color coordination here at Hot Girls Code. And you might think, oh, but what happens if my hash function gives me the same answer for two keys? I was just wondering that. Oh, I wow. thought you might be. <laughs> so let's, maybe you have like 30 pairs of red shoes. What do we do then? Well, this is something that is known as a collision. And there are ways to get around this issue that you can look further into if you're interested. Just look up hash table collision handling, which I think is just like the most badass sentence. So that is a bit about hash tables and key value pairs. Moving on to our second to last data structure, trees. You know, I'm really glad, you know, we're getting back to nature. We're getting back to our roots right now. In the tree structure, data is linked together just like a linked list, but the data is specifically organized in a hierarchy. It's like how you would picture a family tree, but if we only ever had one parent, each data point or node branches from just one parent and it branches off to its children. That connection between two nodes is called an edge. The node at the very top of the tree is called a root node and the nodes at the bottom of a tree are called leaf nodes. In general, nodes in a tree can only have one parent but can have many children. A great way to think about trees is like your folder structure on your computer. You can have a folder containing lots of other folders, which are its children, but the folder itself can only have one parent, which is the folder that it belongs in. There are also a bunch of specific types of trees. I mean, there's Douglas fir, maple, pine. Um, not quite. More like binary trees and binary search trees and AVL trees, you know, much more interesting. Ah, right. <laughs> there is even a data structure called heaps, which are a specific kind of binary tree. But honestly, this episode is long enough with a lot of information as it is. So if you want to learn more about them, then definitely have a Google around. And onto our final data structure, graphs. Now, when we talk about graphs, we don't mean line graphs or bar charts or maybe what you would typically think of as a graph. We are talking about a set of nodes, also known as vertices, 
and the edges that connect them. You can think of it like a social media network. Each user is a vertex and the connections between the users are edges. If you wanted to find out the degrees of separation between two people, you'd count the edges between them. And if Audie decides to unfriend me on Facebook because of all of the bad jokes I make, the edge connecting the two nodes representing our Facebook profiles would be removed. How sad. <laughs> Honestly, Lola, after all the bad jokes this episode, it could be happening. <laughs> you guys have no idea how many I cut out. <laughs> They're fantastic. I actually love them. They bring me a lot of joy. I just want to just want to make sure that's clear. Thank you, Autie. I feel reassured. And social media is exactly the type of thing trees are used in. And additional to that, there's also web graphs that show you the linking between websites, aka the whole internet. Apple and Google Maps use graphs to represent routes between places, and even Bitcoin transactions use graphs. One term to know about both trees and graphs is the word traversing. You'll hear it in the context of traversing down the tree or traversing through a graph. This just means going from node to node in the tree or graph. Like traversing from the root to a leaf node of a tree just means starting at the first node and then going to the second node and then repeating that until you reach the leaf node. It sounds kind of complicated, but it basically just means stepping through the tree or graph. Congratulations, you have made it to the end of another big episode. Today we spoke about seven different data structures. Arrays, linked lists, stacks and queues, hash tables, trees and graphs. We learnt about what they are, we learnt that different languages have different implementations of these, and we learnt that Google really is every developer's best friend. While it can seem like a lot to get your head around, we hope that this episode gave you a good basic understanding of how different data structures can help you to write more efficient code. Our next episode is all about unconscious bias. I'm so excited about this. It's, I know it's one we've been wanting to do for a while. If you've enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a rating and subscribe to Hot Girls Code wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at hot underscore girls underscore code to keep up to date with the podcast and learn more about software development and being a woman in tech. Thanks for listening.